the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Hello, Georgine. Frightened me there for a moment. Hello, Clark. I was going to mention just a moment ago that you are engineering today's program. That I am. It is amazing. You're engineering today's program. And, and I'll do an amazing job, too. <laughs> well, you always do. And you and I, uh, just uh, we sat right here in this studio, in that uh, engineer's booth, for the entirety of spring break. We did, didn't we? Yeah. We have watched the weather change about 16 times over the last week. Yeah, it really has. And I understand it's going to be nicer for the next few days. It's not going to rain again until Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes it might rain tomorrow. Of- it might rain really? tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, nice on Sunday. And then check this. I uh, looked at yeah. the forecast for early or middle of next week. It's going to be cloudy, but we're going to be getting up into the mid to upper 60s. Mid to upper 60s. Yes. I have a vague recollection of what that was like. Rather balmy, if I recall. Mm. Reminds me of the end of September. Wow. That was the last time we had that, Mid 60s. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, I'll have to get my swimsuit out. Oh, yeah. I've got to get the sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, that, it's going to be busy. That would not be good, let me just tell you. <laughs> I'll, I won't bring the swimsuit out. But spring break is drawing to a close for uh, lots of folks, for teachers, uh, especially, and, and kids. Sorry. Enjoyed this week. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Although I should mention that in Vancouver, their spring break begins on Monday. Hey, they're going to have the good weather. How about that? Absolutely. And if there's something about, you know, when you've you got three kids, you're, each one of you is given a cookie. Two of the kids, they eat that cookie really fast. And then the third kid kind of savors the cookie. <laughs> And still has at least half of it when the other two, yeah. theirs is gone, and they just stare at it. I don't it like he, that kid. He, well, th- this, that's what the Vancouver <laughs> <laughs> area is going to be like. These teachers who really thought, oh, boy, I wish I, I wish I was enjoying spring break right about now. They are the ones who are going to have that cookie. And the Portland area teachers are going to think, man, I wish I wouldn't eat that cookie was, so fast. <laughs> yeah, right? Spring break was wonderful, but it's over. Mm-hmm. So um, as we say farewell to a spring break for... This side of the, the uh, Columbia, on the other side of the Columbia, spring break is just about to begin. In fact, for lots of folks, you know, 5 o'clock is when officially it starts. So congratulations. Spring- and don't, don't be sad. Summer break is coming. Yeah. Oh, summer break. Oh, yeah. Don't you wish we had a summer break? Boy, I really do. Although yeah. this year it's going to be a little bit shorter because of all those snow days, right? I mean, a few days shorter. Probably, but I would settle for... Is the for, 4th of July now a that. school holiday because of all this? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't okay. know. They might still be in school. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I don't sure, think it's going to be that bad, but yeah, they're going to have to make up a few days. Yeah, but it's kind of nice to have, uh, you know, a few days that they had off in the middle of, maybe not, you know, technically, but to have a few days off earlier. I, I think it's worth yeah. tacking a few on the end. Anyway, that's my humble Said opinion. no kid ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, spoken by a mature woman who doesn't have any uh, any break at all. Well, spring break, that's when kids go wild someplace other than school. That's part of the reason that uh, that, that 
teachers especially enjoy it. College kids call it spring break. Their parents call it spring broke. <laughs> and when I was growing up, you know, whether it was high school or college, you just hung around. You didn't go someplace for spring break. But these days, My kids friends aspire. Went and stuff, yeah, but they that aspire was really to much all. more. Uh, yeah. Much more expensive. Spring break is when teenagers give their swimsuits a dry run. Although right in around Florida, here, maybe yeah, but, <laughs> right around yeah. here, that probably wasn't the case. And spring break is when the nation's college kids demonstrate to the world just how much they've learned, which apparently, based Earned. on some of their behavior, how much they not can make much. the crime blotter in their uh, host city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, spring break ending for one crowd, beginning for. Another. Well, another group of kids is attempting to take a selfie um, on top of some ice at the pond in Central Park. Um, They plunged into the icy waters, according to officials, because they weren't really paying attention to what they were doing. Two teenage boys, ages 15 and 13, that explains it. There you go. We're attempting to take a selfie on top of the frozen body of water when they fell through the ice at about 7 p.m. on Sunday. Luckily, they were able to swim ashore and uh, they walked away from the scene, multiple witnesses said. I mean, this is icy cold water, so that's that could be a challenge. Authorities later caught up with the two kids around the park's 60th Street exit. The teenagers had no visible signs of injuries, but were taken to the hospital for observation. Uh, last month, at least seven teenage boys fell through the pond, which might have been what they were actually aspiring to do. You never know with teenage boys. They were attempting to take a group selfie on top of the thinly frozen surface. So that might have been as exciting as just getting a picture all by itself. So anyway, uh, the selfie craze. And I I read stories on a daily basis of really silly things people do while trying to get a picture of themselves and, uh, you know, epically failing to do so. Did you know that today is National Crayon Day? I didn't, but I have heard that they're canceling a crayon. They are canceling a crayon. Well, there's been quite a run-up to National Crayon Day, and I really started thinking about crayons and how much I enjoy a good crayon with a nice point to it, you know, that blunted point that's at the end of a brand-new crayon. I just And I hate a broken crayon, but there's something about childhood and crayons I absolutely loved having crayons. You would hate it at our house. We have a lot of broken crayons. Yeah, and that's that's generally what what happens. A lot I was, of broken chalk, lots of broken stuff. <laughs> I was the kid in my family. We, there were three of us: my sister, my brother, and I. I was in the middle. Um, I always had to have the crayons just so I wanted them in the box. I wanted to color inside the lines. My sister, she would color inside the lines, but she might have 15 colors within the inside of the line. And I'm telling you, it just used to run me nuts. And I was just a kid, but I loved coloring and crayons. Well, uh, today is National Crayon Day, and Crayola says they're going to make the occasion by retiring one of its colors. Wait for it. Crayola says the announcement revealing which color is getting retired will be uh, live streamed on Facebook. It was Friday morning, by the way. Um, News of the impending color retirement brought suggestions as to which color it should or should not be. Others lamented that that Crayola is retiring a color at all. They're rather nostalgic about them. Well, we learned today that uh, Crayola is ditching the dandelion uh, from their 24-count box. That's what I heard. Yeah, it's dandelion. I'm not sure. Is that a yellow, I'm guessing? Is it kind is of it an a greenish off, yellow? I'm not yellow? really sure. I, I don't see a a, a dandelion, but They're the company... probably just going to rename it to lemon or um, well, They have to banana. have a yellow of some banana. kind. So, yeah. Uh, the Arts and Crafts Company was originally expected to announce the retirement in Times Square this morning during a Facebook live stream event, but... 
Uh, they revealed the dandelion replacement instead. Uh, this is the first time the company has retired a color from its classic 24-count box, but they've ditched others in the past, including Blizzard Blue, Magic Mint, Teal Blue, and Mulberry. The current 24-count Crayola box contains red, yellow, blue, brown, orange, green, violet, black, carnation, pink, yellow-orange, blue-green, red-violet, red-orange, yellow-green, blue-violet, white, violet-red, dandelion, no more, cerulean, apricot, scarlet, green-yellow, indigo, and gray. Okay, what is cerulean? It's kind of that? a green, it's kind of a bright green oh. color. It's close to the uh, Nike swoosh. It's what they say in uh, your... Lake Oswego then for green, right? Cerulean? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the hood, they don't call it cerulean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but anyway, kind of a green then. You know, it's, right. it's tempting. I'm tempted to go and buy a box of crayons just to have them. Yeah, like they the look so they, nice in the box. I like the way they kind of melt into the paper. I just There's nothing like a good crayon. And I like the Crayola brand. I know there are others. Those are the best. I remember in kindergarten, remember the big fat crayons? Oh, yeah. I love yeah, those. Those, those are, are harder good. to find, but congratulations. The kind on they give you in the restaurants, national... though, those are the kind that are made out they're of like waxy. soy and they yeah. break. And <laughs> yeah, they're is. too yeah. waxy. Yeah. Anyway, National Crayon Day. 16 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 18 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today, ladies and gentlemen, by Toyota of Vancouver. Be a nice day to get into Toyota and drive. Yeah. Look at that sunshine. Go to the beach, maybe. Yeah. Of course, by the time you got there, it'd be It'll dark, be raining, so, but yeah. it'll be nice next week for spring break in Vancouver. Yeah, <clears throat> spring break. We won't get that one either, just saying. We won't get what? That spring break. Yeah, even though our our radio gets into Vancouver, <clears throat> yeah. our signal does. Yeah, but we won't. Uh, we won't We won't be beneficiaries of that. But we will live vicariously through those who do. Yes, yes. Well, the biggest problem with bumper stickers, other than the glue, is that life changes and the bumper stickers don't. Your candidate loses. Your honor students failing sixth grade. You no longer think Virginia is any way uh, to anywhere to travel. Rather than drive around giving other motorists the wrong impression, there is the customizable taillight electronic bumper sticker now available. Well, taillights essentially a two inch by eight inch digital billboard on your bumper. That lets you change messages or stickers, if you will, using little more than a smartphone. No nail polish remover required. The high resolution, lower power LCD affixes uh, using industrial strength adhesive tape, connects to your car's internal USB jack and syncs to the taillight, um, an app via Bluetooth. All of that is worth repeating, by the way, just so you'll really fully be informed. One. You have to run a cable from the device on the outside of the vehicle through the trunk to a USB port inside. Two, it sticks to your car using tape that, while road tested, is not um, criminal tested. You can't pop this uh, thing off or on with a magnet when you um, go to the grocery store, for example. Obviously, anybody who wants to take it can, but that's another story. That said, it turns off when your car uh, is off to save, uh, save juice and not attract attention. 
in the parking lot. It holds up to 25 different messages. There are currently about 200 stickers available for purchase in the store by the makers, ranging from Go Blue to more um, Cowbell to I Heart New Jersey. So you don't get to come up with your own message, which could be troublesome. Uh, They provide options for you to choose from. Or you can design, upload your own uh, sticker and have it ready to go when the moment's right. Oh, So we could get one, excuse me, for the Georgine Rice show? No, they won't have that, will they? Uh, No, but apparently you can uh, can do something. You can kind of create your own. Yeah. Well, the obvious question in the end, though, is how much are you really willing to drop to pay, in other words, yeah. to let the world know you love the Atlanta Falcons on Monday and International um, Crayon Day on Friday? Well, the answer is $130. A little um, pricey for yeah. one bumper sticker? That's what it currently costs. Well, that's what the device costs. And then you can choose from the messages that they make available to you. Or uh, there's a way to go through and, and come up with messages of your own, which yeah. could be rather risky. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway, that's a new gadget out there. But again, you have to run a cord that somehow connects to your Bluetooth and all of that from the rear of the vehicle. People do go kind of nuts with bumper stickers. Sometimes people have, you know, so many that it's difficult to focus and to try to read what they're trying to say. But anyway, well, that rainy Wednesday we just trudged through very likely marked the end, according to local meteorologist Rod Hill, most likely marked the end of the crazy, wet weather that we've had in the portland area it It started in october and it's coming to a close yeah yeah since that time portland has seen more than 41 inches uh, total moisture giving the rose city a wet surplus of more than 15 inches of water now rod hill is with uh, kgw he's a meteorologist in fact he goes on to say since february more than 17 inches of rain have fallen the crazy wet weather has caused swollen rivers produced countless landslides and well you know the rest Well, the current seven-day forecast, which you made reference to a few moments ago, shows more dry weather than wet, and it's a a clear sign that Portland's changing weather pattern is uh, is apparently here. So that's good news, especially as you mentioned earlier for the folks who are going on spring break next week. Look for near-normal rainfall in April and May, which would be about three inches total, um, more or less, uh, uh, closer to 2.5 in May uh, inches. Uh, March will end with 7.26 inches of total rainfall at Portland International Airport, third place on the all-time rain list for the month of March. Normal rainfall for the month is about 3.68 inches. The wettest March ever recorded back in 2012 was 7.89 inches, but we spread ours out over many more months, so we did uh, have a lot of rain falling in the Portland metro area. So here's looking forward to um, the northwest spring uh, for the next 60 days plus. And then we are going, apparently, mildly into wonderful summer. Wonderful summer. Mm, yeah, mm. it's it's a good thing. Just looking forward to some sunshine yeah. that sticks around for a while. Yeah, it, it will be nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, McDonald's has started testing mobile order and pay after acknowledging the ordering process in its restaurants can be stressful. I mean, how stressful can ordering at McDonald's really be? I mean, if that stresses you out, you've got bigger problems than than a Big Mac, let me tell you. The company says it's going to gather feedback from the test before launching the option nationally toward the end of the year. It says mobile order and pay is now available in 29 stores, uh, stores rather, in Monterey, Salinas, California, and will expand to 51 more locations, Spokane, Washington will be next week. The rollout comes as customers increasingly seek out convenience through options like online ordering or delivery. Really, delivery of 
<laughs> McDonald's. Delivery of your Big Mac. Uh, yeah, the CEO has noted that the initial stages of visiting can be stressful. Okay. And the chain is making changes to improve the overall customer experience. That includes introducing uh, ordering kiosks. That's sort of in response to the uh, minimum wage. You don't have to pay people a higher wage, which McDonald's says can help ease lines at the counter and improve the accuracy of orders. Another frustration for customers. Uh, He also says um, uh, he also talked about the potential of delivery. So imagine that you can get pizza delivered. Now you can have a Big Mac and fries delivered. My question would be, will the fries be hot? That would make no, all the difference in the probably world. Probably not, I no. wouldn't think. With its mobile order and pay option, McDonald's says customers place an order on its app, uh, then go to a restaurant and check in to select how they want to uh, get their food. So you still have to go to the restaurant and, in quotes, check in uh, to determine how they want to get their food. That just seems well, so what do you stressful. Mean? Why would you not just go? You have to check in yeah. and just order it. Yeah. Uh, that could be at the counter, in the drive-thru, or with curbside delivery where an employee brings out the order to designated spaces. Uh, orders are prepared once customers check in at the restaurant. So you pre-order, but they're not putting it together till you arrive, just like if you ordered it when you arrived. So I'm having a hard time <laughs> really seeing the benefit here. But Starbucks has already found success using its mobile app and loyalty program to encourage people to visit more often and spend more uh, when they do. The chain has also said its mobile order and pay option was so popular that it caused congestion at pickup counters last year. Although they do make it ahead. They don't wait till you arrive to make it and yeah, they can keep yeah. it hot. But their plan has led some customers who walked into stores to leave without buying anything. Starbucks said it's uh, working on fixing those issues because we we do not want to wait. <laughs> we want to march into McDonald's and hand us the bag when we get there. That's an American thing. It really is. And it's getting to be more and more of an American thing. Mm-hmm. Patience, apparently, one of the fruits of the spirit is no longer valued. It's not clear whether McDonald's will be able to uh, get the same level of usage for its mobile app and order and pay option. Since coffee tends to be more of a daily habit, for instance, people may be more willing to download an app for it um, on their phones. Now, to be honest, just the other day, uh, I pulled up and I ordered at McDonald's and the person who was at the uh, the counter where uh, I paid, she said, you know, you've been here several times this week already. Why don't you download the McDonald's app? And the things that you're ordering are on there, and you, you know, if you come here this many times, so, you're going to get a free this or that. So they told you this. Yes. Well, she, that's interesting. She and I are having this conversation. So I decided, you know, that might be worth doing. I, I'll save a couple of dollars every sure. week. McDonald's, McDonald's maitre d'. <laughs> exactly. So I go nice. go to my phone. I, da, 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 I'm trying to download the thing. The 30-minute process necessary, I, I abandoned the whole thing because <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to know everything about me. What was your yeah. third grade teacher's name? What shoe size did you wear? And you know, I just really, and I just gave it up. I thought it's worth the $2 that I'll be paying extra if I frequent the restaurant and decide to get that $2 frappe. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so I, I gave up the whole thing. And then, of course, they want to have access to all your pictures and all your data and your contact. Yeah. I know that's true for most of them, but I, I just... I we thought, really, really McDonald's no. We really have done away with our privacy. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. The day that McDonald's needs to know what I'm posting on Twitter is the day that maybe I don't buy the Big Mac, right? Yeah, just uh, give me the Big Mac. I, yeah. I, we don't need to become close friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not I'm not going to invite you over for Thanksgiving. Just give me the hamburger. <laughs> okay, I feel better now. Um, let's see. Deep breath. Well, there's a new study that says if you have a sweet tooth, raise your hand if you have... Yes. Yeah. I like to visit your office a lot with all those M&Ms and 
Hershey's Kisses. Yeah, I'm very and, popular. Uh, oh, you are. At certain times of the year because I which I is most have of the year candy. Well, no, I don't. I Valentine's Day is when it starts. I think at Christmas time I have candy. Oh yeah, Valentine's Halloween, Day, Easter. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess that does cover much of the year, doesn't yeah. it? Just because. Yeah. Well, there is that. <clears throat> anyway, if you have a sweet tooth, there's a new study that says by waiting 25 seconds before satisfying that sweet tooth will remove the craving, particularly for chocolate. Nope, I still want those M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing you more often these days than, than normal. Pausing for just 25 seconds wait, before buying a, a chocolate minute. bar. You see me every day here. Yes, but I see you more. You come in <laughs> when you first arrive. Oh, there's Clark again. <laughs> I come in to say hello. Uh-huh. I get the M&Ms in the afternoon. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, pausing 25 seconds before buying a chocolate bar can be enough to see um, to see the craving decline in favor of a more healthy snack. Yeah, I'm just dying to open that orange. <laughs> um, apparently, the, there's scientific validity to uh, validity to the statement, but that 20. Do you know how long 25 seconds is? Yeah, yeah. You're standing in front of a vending machine. You put the money in. 25 seconds. One thousand. Two thousand. <sighs> Yep. Or you turn around and you go get something that you may or may not have at hand. Well, a trial using vending machines in the U.S. found that having to wait for sugary treats made them less desirable. So maybe if I were to make it more challenging for you to um, to get the sweets at my desk, you I'd see you less in you there. You know, I just want to say that I'm not in there that often eating those things. <laughs> and there are days when that thing is really starting to do, 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 the levels coming down. And I ask you. Well, wow, look at all this. And you're like, yeah, I've been eating them all myself. <laughs> so don't you be well, blaming the truth me. Is, the truth is I feel a certain level of responsibility when my coworkers are consuming something that I'm providing. I need to make sure that they are fresh enough to offer them to people I care I about. See. So I periodically, see. because, you know, over time, the freshness declines. They're not in an airtight environment. Periodically, I feel the need to make sure that they're still suitable for people I care about. So I'm eating those things for that's, you. That's nice. Let me tell you something. Yeah? When I had a desk uh, that people could come by often, I used to keep um, Milky Ways and stuff in there. I stopped doing that when I realized I was eating most of the bag in about two days. Like, this this is not good. The I can't keep is, doing this. I've already started counting. I can hardly wait till uh, Easter weekend <laughs> because I got to get rid of those things. <laughs> I can do it now without even looking. My hand can reach back, <laughs> yeah. take the glass lid off, grab a few, put the thing back on without even looking up. It's not well, good. While we uh, have this break, I'm going to go get some of those and relieve, 1, 000, relieve you of a 2, few. 1,000, yeah. 3,000. We'll be back. 4,000, 5,000, 6,000. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon, the last Friday of spring break for those on this side of the Columbia. The first day of spring break, or at least the first evening, for those on the other side of the Columbia. By the way, I want you to know that yes. it took about 25 seconds to uh, get down to your office. And uh, I still wanted the M&M's, so I took some. <laughs> but I also uh, got an orange out here, too. So oh, well, there you go. Now I'm that just balances it balancing out. everything out. Yeah. And I noticed that your uh, office is completely packed up. Like, you're ready to go the instant this show ends. Like, at 6.01 you're already going to be in the parking lot, right? <laughs> no that, comment. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not like you're going to mosey on back there and pack up. Nope, you're ready to go. Yeah, we've been here pretty much all week, and uh, weekend begins. Not yeah. spring break, but weekend begins at 6.01 yeah. Pacific time. 
Well, an American footwear company has sparked disapproval on social media over high-heeled shoes for babies. Now, keep in mind that babies don't walk, so the high-heeled shoes are Mm. for appearance alone. But B-Pumps says babies will be the bell of the ball in the shoes. But the BBC reports people are criticizing the company amid a growing concern that what is seen as the sexualization of children, or at least maturation... The company founder says the shoes are intended as a photo prop only and meant to be funny and cute. Well, in a post this week on the company's Facebook page, an infant in heels sits on a miniature motorbike with a caption, This little diva defining cool posing in her peewee pumps. Well, the image was criticized by a number of the site's users who suggested it was wrong and disgusting to portray babies in such a way. This is not okay, said another mother. So high heels uh, on infants out. Um, despite Pee Wee Pump's best interest. I, do, I don't I do like seeing um, small children dressed in more adult wear. I'm not sure Pee Wee Pump's falls in that category, but... It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just... To see that, you know. Peculiar, yeah. 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 And in a culture like ours, it's probably ill-advised. Yeah, yeah. Um, police in Houston had to free a man who apparently lost a bet and was duct-taped to a, a pole, unable to free himself... The story says that Houston police responded to multiple calls about the man. Again, he was duct taped to a yield sign. They arrived to find the man who had uh, lost a bet, and they nearly uh, tased his friend, who was apparently (laughs) close by. Well, police responded, this was on Wednesday, to an intersection in northeast Houston, where drivers reported seeing a man duct taped to a yield sign. They arrived to find a second man with a knife approaching the taped individual. Drop the knife. This isn't good. Or I'll tase you, the police officer shouted at the man. Well, police soon discovered the man was actually attempting to cut his friend uh, away from the pole with the knife. (laughs) So it was not a nefarious attempt at harming his friend. (laughs) Um, uh, He'd been taped to the sign as punishment for losing whatever foolish thing they had uh, agreed upon. Well, the uh, the man, Miguel Chavez, said he lost the bet he placed on the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors game. It is, you know, March Madness. He said his punishment was to either allow himself to be duct taped to a street sign or a car. So he decided to uh, flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> he, he considered allowing himself yeah. to be duct taped to a car. I assume wow. the car would have been moving, too. Heads was for the pole, tails was for the car, Chavez told the local media. It landed on heads and everything went from there. Well, the police helped Chavez down from the pole, gave him a ride home. No charges were filed in the incident for either Chavez or his friend who was approaching him with a knife. Um, <laughs> oh my and the cops went back and talked about it for the rest of the night. <laughs> you know, the stories they could tell. Yeah. And yeah. I think any of them could retire early and write uh, books on things that they've seen and had to do, and that would probably that be... Uh, and medical people, the stories yeah, they and have. and teachers, yeah. and pastors, and attorneys. You know, there's a book oh, in all of us. Oh, and me too, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a book in all of us, if you think hard enough. I am looking so forward to reading the Georgine Rice memoirs. Yeah, it'll be a short... Wherever uh, books are sold. <laughs> short little pamphlet. Can I narrate it for you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um... Why did the three nuns cross the road? Well, to get to their jobs on the other side. That's the answer to a joke that's not quite so funny. There's a religious shrine that is proposing that they have illuminated nuns crossing um, on a road crossing near the religious shrine. A Massachusetts shrine where the nuns work wants to make it safer for them. So 
Um, they proposed installing the illuminated nuns crossing sign. That's kind of cute. Yeah, it is. The nuns work at the National Shrine of Our Lady at uh, La Salette in somewhere, uh, but live in a house on the opposite side of a busy road. The city earlier spurned the shrine's request for a crosswalk, saying the location didn't meet government guidelines. Well, the Roman Catholic shrine, which attracts hundreds of thousands of pilgrims, now proposes a sign uh, programmed to uh, display a nun's crossing message uh, when triggered by the nun's phone, because they're 21st century too. The shrine is also adding a uh, light on its property and giving the nuns reflective vests. So I don't know if they are traditionally dressed, but they'll be wearing their habits mm. with reflective vests. Apparently, this is much more dangerous than you would imagine if yeah. the illuminated sign and uh, other things are not sufficient, then they might hmm. want to build a tunnel or something, a bridge across the uh, intersection. Especially if you have tens of thousands of people coming. Yeah. That's, where is this again? Um, you know, I couldn't figure it out. It's uh, Massachusetts, but where in Massachusetts wasn't altogether clear to me. Huh. Anyway, Nuns Crossing. I don't don't remember if I mentioned this before, but uh, Patriot star Brady, his missing Super Bowl jersey was found in Mexico. I heard about that. Do you know how much that jersey is worth? Yeah, a lot of money. No, do you have the actual number? Um, I, it's half a million yeah, dollars. Yeah, half a million dollars. And apparently he had For stolen a sweaty another jersey, jersey uh, from him yeah. as well. well the from, New England, an, from another game, from another, another Super Bowl. Year, yeah. yeah. The New, uh, New England Patriots jersey had vanished after quarterback Tom Brady wore it, the team's fifth Super Bowl victory last month. It's been found in Mexico. It was uh, the jersey and a second one that he wore in a championship victory two years earlier were taken by a former Mexican media executive. So this wasn't just somebody loitering around. This is somebody who had access. He was from the media and somehow accessed the jerseys, plural, He'd been credentialed to cover the February game in Houston, according to the National Football League and law enforcement officials. Well, authorities in Mexico found the missing jersey at the home of the so-called journalist, a former director of Mexico's La Prensa newspaper, in a raid following a Federal Bureau of Investigation request, a government source said. Apparently, they had uh, video images of him going to the locker room. that was his mistake, because Fox which covered the Super Bowl, had those cameras everywhere, including in the locker rooms. They were showing him all over sports, uh, yeah. ESPN and stuff. Th- no one was checking his ID. He just walked in like he belonged in the locker room, walked out that you could see it under his shirt. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, he hasn't yet been arrested because he hasn't been charged, uh, but the investigation is ongoing. Ortega couldn't be reached for comment, but I imagine he's uh, not too happy with himself or with those who caught him. The Houston Police Department and the uh, league security were involved in the investigation, along with the FBI. I mean, that's a pretty valuable jersey. You've got the FBI involved. You don't come to Texas and embarrass us here on our turf, says the Houston police chief. Uh, He said the case, while not a major crime, has been investigated because the only blemish that we have had from the Super Bowl was these jerseys that were stolen from the locker room. Well, La Prenza said in a statement it had been informed that Ortega had been involved in the theft. If uh, uh, if it turns out to be true, strong uh, and La Prenza strongly rejects the conduct of Ortega, who took advantage of the position that he had to use uh, the newspaper and his credentials to gain access um, Ortega has since resigned, um, citing personal reasons. Huh, I wonder <laughs> what personal reasons. He's got a hangnail that just won't go away. The jersey could have been sold um, to a collector for great monetary gain, and they're fortunate that he hadn't done that yet. 
Uh, Brady told reporters the morning after the Patriots' 34-28 overtime win, which was remarkable in and of itself, if I do say so, over the Atlanta Falcons, that he had uh, packed up the jersey bearing his number 12 after the game, but it had disappeared. It's unfortunate because that's a nice piece of memorabilia, he told reporters at the time. Those are pretty special ones to keep. Um, uh, What can you do? Asking if they could somehow find it. I'll take the ring, and that's good enough for me, but he was disappointed. So the quarterback has uh, been uh, reunited with his jersey, and um, all is well for everybody except for Mr. Ortega. You know, I had uh, also heard on the news that they found a uh, Denver Bronco, uh, Von Miller's Denver Broncos helmet that had gone missing as well from the Super Bowl that the uh, Denver Broncos won the a same few guy? years ago. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's he really was surprising. collecting yeah, stuff. Yeah, really surprising that he still had it since they were so yeah. valuable. Anyway, that's uh, fortunate for the players. 46 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 50 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show featuring Clark Hilton as engineer. <laughs> Did you hear about the bee swarm that made the uh, Major League Baseball players hit the turf? Literally stopped the game. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It wasn't the bees' knees. It uh, was uh, even lower than that uh, when the swarm of bees caused players in a preseason Major League Baseball game to lay on the ground during an exhibition game, literally, until the uh, swarm passed. The intrusion happened at the Peoria Sports Complex in Arizona, home of the Cactus League Spring Training Complex for the San Diego Padres and Seattle Mariners. In the ninth inning of the game between the Padres and Colorado Rockies, A swarm of bees that had taken up residence on a fence behind home plate came over the infield and players of both teams dropped to the ground in what the television crew likened to a nuclear bomb drill. (laughs) Pretty funny to see the images. Professional athletes from both teams hit the dirt between pitches to avoid the swarming bees uh, for several seconds before they resumed. Eventually, the insect interlopers, they abated, and the Rockies um, won the game 10-5, but... Um, I, I don't, don't know what they're going to do with the bees, but it was pretty funny to watch a game in progress and then to see the players just drop to the ground. And if, you, if you're looking from a distance, you don't necessarily see bees. <laughs> you just see all of a sudden the teams <laughs> drop to the ground. Major League Baseball. Well, the Massachusetts man in our litigious society who sued a pair of Dunkin' Donuts owners because he said he was given a butter substitute when he asked for real butter on his bagel has won a settlement. Really? Yeah. Thinking about going to Dunkin' Donuts and ordering something. Uh, the Boston Globe reports that John Polinick's uh, suit um, names two companies that together own more than 20 stores. His lawyer, Thomas Shapiro, acknowledged that his client's complaints is a minor thing, but they decided to sue to stop the practice of representing one thing and selling a different thing. Is it parquet? Is it butter? You know, you've asked for one. <laughs> Shapiro did not de- disclose the settlement's terms because it hasn't yet been filed with the court, but an attorney for one franchise confirms that the case has been settled and the stores have changed their butter-serving protocol, which is what he really wanted was a change in the butter-serving protocol. <laughs> uh, spokesman for the franchise uh, could not be reached to uh, find out what that change in the butter-serving protocol is. Um but it's been changed. So when you go to Dunkin' Donuts, if you ask for butter, you'd better get it because they've changed their butter serving protocol. protocol. Yeah. You know, you have really made it in pop culture when someone decides they are going to sculpt you in cheese. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can have your own television show. You can uh, 
be called upon to address large crowds of people. But unless you've had a sculpture made of you out of cheese, you're nobody. A Georgine Rice statue made out of camembert. <laughs> How about Beyonce? Well. Yes, the Beyonce cheese sculpture is paying tribute to Beyonce because she's expecting and they have carved out of brie. Um, her likeness. Well, a British sculptor preparing for the uh, country's cheese carving championship unveiled his warm-up creation, Briance, a statue of the singer carved from cheese. Wow. David Bradley, who is preparing to compete in the cheese carving championship as part of London's East Village Cheese and Wine Festival, teamed up with London ad agency, the Robin Collective, and veteran food sculptor Jackie Kelly to craft the tribute to the Queen, I guess they call her Queen Bay, based on a famous Instagram photo of the singer holding her baby bump. She's expecting, apparently, for... The second time, a lot of cheese uh, puns floated around and Beyonce was the one everyone liked the most, says the uh, Robin Collective creative director. The five pound sculpture is actually made from five blocks of cheddar rather than the softer uh, cheese brie. So the name is somewhat misleading. I see a lawsuit uh, pending here because they're saying it's one thing and it's actually another and uh, they might need to come up with a new protocol. (laughs) Anyway, they talked about putting... um, um, baby bell in the stomach, but uh, it never actually happened. Um, the team said that it took them 28 hours to complete the work on the sculpture, and it looks nothing like her except that there's a person who uh, has flowers in a halo around their head, and they're seated in the way that she was in a, a fairly popular uh, picture. So, Briance. Briance. I yeah. like that. So, now I aspire before it's all said and done to be sculpted in cheese. You're going to need more pounds of cheese than that if you're, if you're going to sculpt me. What did they have? Uh, how many yeah, pounds? Georgine Swiss rice. There were five blocks of cheese. I think we're going to mm. need to go with about 10. Anyway, especially if I don't stop eating those M&Ms. Yeah, peanuts. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, in a perfect world, you would be able to shop at the grocery store all by yourself. Can you imagine the absolute bliss of going aisle by aisle without anyone else to encounter? No jockeying for a parking space, uh, no crowds in the produce section, no waiting at the deli counter. And the checkout, it would be a breeze. But the harsh reality is you've got to deal with other shoppers and their annoying habits and bad behavior. They clog up the aisles with their overflowing carts. They argue with other shoppers about who's next at the deli counter. They use their outdoor voices on their cell phones and they act like such entitled buffoons. You can practically see the checkout clerk's blood come to a boil. And the worst ones don't even realize they're being world class in their um, lack of consideration. I'll take a deep breath and peer into your soul. Are you one of these grocery store felons? Well, I'm quoting from an Oregonian article <laughs> um, that. that created a list of offenses that take place in the grocery store. And I was actually happy to uh, to hear that somebody other than myself was aware that this was a problem. And perhaps are we, gonna, we all together uh, can agree that we'll do better. Are we going to go over these? Yeah. Should I see if I uh, if I've ever been a felon? I can't see you being one, but let's see. The okay. first one was to be a food fondler. These are the hands-on shoppers who insist on touching every single avocado until they find the one that is uh, perfectly ripe. Now, an avocado, I don't mind because you don't eat the flesh, the, the skin of an avocado. Uh, they pick up melons and sniff them and think nothing about the trail of spilled grape cherry tomatoes they leave behind. In the bakery department, uh, they don't use tongs uh, or pastry tissue. Uh, they stick their bare hands into the bolt bins instead of using the handy scoops. 
uh, that are right there. Okay, I don't do that, but I do, you know, check melons. Well, I check melon, oranges, things like that. Yeah, like, I would do that. They have I, some give to them. I yeah, mean, pomegranates. I don't think that's bad. Yeah, yeah. But I do think if you're leaving a trail of spilled cherry yeah. tomatoes or you're not using the tongs or the pastry tissue or the bulk scoops that they provide, that's, yeah, yeah. that's definitely a food felon. What about coin collectors? Congratulations on... Uh, filling up a mason jar with spare change and found pennies. Sure, coins are legal tender, but paying for chips and salsa with nickels and dimes is bad form. Particularly when the store is busy, use the coin redemption machine at customer service like everyone else. Yeah. I've learned just in the last month or so that the the bank that I frequent, and that's probably true uh, of others, are no longer going to have those machines where you can just bring all your coins and they count them out and... Um, mm. Provide you with so you got to do that at the uh, the grocery I'm not store sure kiosk. Where thing, you then? would do that? I I don't know. So our grocery store has one. Do they? I've yeah. never looked because I've never had that problem. What about the express lane violators? Now I have to admit this bothers me a little bit. I'm very careful. If I have 13 items, I don't go in the express express yeah. lane. Yeah, yeah. It's not really a big deal when someone goes through the express lane with or one or two items more than the 12 items or less limit. It's the um, it's the people who unload a full cart of groceries and then pretend they didn't notice the express lane sign that make other shoppers want to take hostages. The express lane uh, sign that's been there the whole time, that's been there always, and you shop here every week, so how would you not know? Yeah, I, I imagine there are cases in which people actually did not notice. Uh, the clerk might have said something if that were the case, but, um, you know, people who just decide to go there because it's... Yeah. Shorter. Then there's the price checkers. These frugal shoppers don't trust automated checkout systems and argue nonstop with clerks that items are being scanned at the wrong price. While they bicker over whether canned peaches are on sale or not, the tortured people behind them in the checkout line feel like time has stopped. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for making sure you're being appropriately charged, but being considerate in the process is probably a good idea. What about the clumsy coupon users? Smart coupon users are organized and hand over their neatly stacked discount vouchers so the checker can pile up the savings with a minimum of fuss. Then there are the couponers who hand over wads of crumpled discount slips <laughs> that have either passed their expiration date or are for products they didn't actually buy. And these penny pinchers want to argue to get that extra 25 cents off a box of pasta. Sorry, Mr. Barilla and Ronzani aren't the same thing. <laughs> Just a few of the... Uh, are we going to go over more next gro- hour? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, these are some of the grocery store uh, behaviors that are no longer acceptable. Take note. We're going to take a break for news and traffic here at the top of the hour, but we will be back, so stick around. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Clark Hilton is uh, engineering today's program. James Blind is far, far away. But In technically, Texas, he's the producer. I believe. Yeah, yeah, enjoying the latter half of uh, spring break. So we're having some fun on a Friday afternoon. We'll return to that in just a moment, but I want to remind you that. I think you and I are about the only ones here. <laughs> yeah, it's a ghost town here. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Uh, there are no other lights on in the, yeah. the building. Andy, the traffic guy's here, but that's about, that's about it. it. <laughs> um, Open Arms International is featuring the Portland Good Friday Breakfast that's coming up on Friday, April the 14th. That's couple just weeks. a couple of weeks yeah. from now. Yeah, 7 a.m. to 8.45. So if you are working, that'll get you to work um, very uh, timely. Ken Caldwell is the speaker. He's the former CEO and president of Papa Murphy's. The theme is tragedy and triumph. And uh, he's got quite a story to tell. So looking forward to 
uh, that. There are still opportunities for tickets and uh, for tables, so let me encourage you to go to the website, Portland Good Friday Breakfast, for more information on that. So, um, again, that's coming up. Well, Good Friday, which this year is April the 14th, quite late Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. this time around, but nonetheless, it'll be just, uh, just as good. We were talking about uh, folks who uh, do not conduct themselves in a way that's as courteous as they might grocery in the store grocery felons. store setting. Yeah. 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 Uh, so working our way back through or down the list, we've already talked about uh, food fondlers, people who are not considerate about the food they touch. Um, uh, coin collectors, people who have lots of coins when they're paying for something. Express lane violators, price checkers, and clumsy coupon users. But what about the coughing Sickies. I mean, you got to buy food whether or not you're sick, but we get it. When you're sick, you need to make emergency runs for canned soup and cough drops. But get it. Get out and get home to bed instead of coughing and wheezing through the whole store. It's a market, not a tuberculosis ward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please don't cough all over the produce, right? (laughs) Apple cider vinegar. You got to soak everything and wash it and that stuff. These um, (laughs) gluttonous shoppers, and again, I'm quoting from Oregon Live, Make a beeline for the sample stand at Trader Joe's and know the Costco sample ladies by their first names. In the deli, they ask for so many freebie tastes of pizza salad, orange chicken, that you wonder if they really are shopping or just grazing for a free lunch. And they're oblivious <laughs> that other shoppers are growing impatient with their uh, cheapskate noshing. So if you're coughing and wheezing, get in, get out, go home, go to bed. Then there are these cell phone slobs, and I still, this is... Cell phone slobs. Yeah, this is just amazing to me. The places that people will choose to speak loudly on your uh, cell oh, phone. yeah. I went yeah. for a blood test midday today, or this morning, late morning. Mm-hmm. went for a blood test in a doctor's office. It's a small office. It's a quiet little lobby area with a panel of uh, people who are taking reception, you know, when you first come in. There's a woman on her phone. She is speaking full voice, and it's clearly a private conversation in oh. which she's disparaging the person she's talking to. Uh, You're just a liar. You shouldn't be. She's going on and on and on. We are all sitting there <laughs> rather <laughs> awkwardly trying not to listen, but it's unavoidable. And, you know, what do you say to people who don't quite get it? Yeah, yeah. Free country, free speech, yada, yada. <laughs> They write. That doesn't mean anyone in um, meat department wants uh, wants to hear you talk on your cell phone about, um, well, anything. The baby's diarrhea. Yeah, we don't need like to hear that. about anything. So uh, in the grocery store, it can be inappropriate, especially if you're not discreet about it. You're talking loudly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's true in a lot of other places as well. I, I couldn't believe I'm uh, in the doctor's uh, lobby and someone is speaking that loudly in a conversation that was that contentious. And making it very awkward for everyone I've, else. I've had that happen in the restroom. I'll walk in, and, <laughs> and there'll be somebody. <laughs> there's be, there'll be somebody that says, "Hey, how you doing?" And I thought, oh, "I'm not really," because this person was in a stall, and I thought, I, "I'm really not comfortable answering." And then he started talking. I realized, oh, he's on his phone. He doesn't. He's not talking to me. Yeah, that whole Bluetooth thing where you have the earpiece. I've been caught by that many times because, you know, someone's walking along. They may make eye contact with you and then they say something and you don't want to be rude. And so you answer and clearly and then they look away and clearly, yeah, (laughs) very awkward. So you don't know, is this person, do they have, are they mentally challenged? Are they engaging me in conversation or are they somehow on the phone? Yeah. It's just a strange world we live in. Then there are the aisle blockers. These shoppers leave their grocery carts in the middle of the aisle while they read labels and compare prices so no one else can get by. Pull over to the side. Absolutely. Um, they move through the store at a glacial pace, making every shopper 
um, uh, on Saturday afternoon feel like an eternity. And they frequently abandon their carts while they trudge off to another part of the store, forcing other shoppers to move the carts out of the way in order to continue with their shopping. You know what's really irritating, though, is when they see you and they don't move. And they still like, don't move. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Go around. I can't. Oh, yeah. It's, and, and then there's a pile up on aisle five. Yeah, the paper then towels. <laughs> the fighting couple. <laughs> really? In the freezer case, is that the best place to tear at each other's throats over your relationship? Take it to a couple's counselor rather than the aisle in the grocery store. These shoppers unload their grocery carts at the checkout line, then realize they forgot that one thing that they need to make a cake for their nephew's birthday. Poof. Just like that, they vanish, heading back to, for that missing tub of Duncan Hines frosting, making everyone else wait. This is why people make grocery lists. Yeah, but I will say that if you've just started, they're just started checking you out, that's okay. If you've calculated that there's enough time yeah, to get yeah. to where you're going and come back. If you're a couple, then one goes, one stays. Yeah, if you I've miss it, then you get errand. back in. Like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. But yeah. if you abandon the cart and it's, you know, things aren't moving. A lot of times, though, they will go get the item for you if you're the only that's one true. there. That's true. That's yeah. true if you will ask them. Then there nicely, are ask nicely. The cart abandoners. The parking lot has shopping cart corrals for a reason. Not everyone uses them. Yeah. Now, if you're an elderly person... I think you get a pass on just about anything. But for most people to leave the shopping cart just, you know, in your former parking place or just yeah, over the curb yeah. or something, it's very inconsiderate. You know, you go to Europe, you barely get a bag, let alone a shopping cart. They're provided as a courtesy. We're not entitled to them. So treat them as if they're someone else's property and out of gratitude, put them back where they go. I like to think of the uh, 16, 17-year-old kid who's got to go out and get it in the rain. You know, it's like just... Make it easy for them. Don't make them go chase it down on the other end of the, the parking lot in a parking space. Put it back where it belongs. Yeah, and not to mention, if people are, are coming and going yeah. in their vehicles, it can make it difficult to park. To... Nothing worse than, I've got a perfect parking spot, and then you realize why it's mm-hmm. left. It's because there's two shopping carts sitting in the yeah. in the middle of the thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, if people would just uh, follow our advice, I think it would just be a better well, world Well, it way would around. be. We're for hire. <laughs> Offering advice. Georgine and Clark. <laughs> To anyone who's, uh, but you know, I remember in kindergarten, you kind of learned the basic principle. Nobody likes a pushy pig. You need to be considerate. If you could just go back to those early lessons, they're very basic, rudimentary. Uh, that's how we get along. You're really considerate, are. you're patient. And nobody likes a pushy pig. Don't, you're I, not the center of the universe. I watch my daughter even kind of follow those rules at three mm-hmm. that they learn. You but know. somehow when we get to a certain age, we feel that, well, we follow those rules long enough. They no longer yeah. apply to me. Now I'm going to fondle all the oranges and park my shopping cart wherever I feel like. And I may <laughs> even take it home with me. Who knows? Yeah. Well, there's just, just a few things to consider. Speaking of things to consider, have you thought about uh, traveling to Israel this November? Salem Media Group, Genesis Tours, they're sp- uh, sponsoring a an Experience Israel tour with Pastor Sean Thornton. This is a 10-day inspirational journey to the Holy Land during Jerusalem's 50th anniversary. We're talking about November the 1st through the 10th. Uh, Pastor Sean Thornton uh, is uh, going to be the speaker throughout. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful uh, opportunity to hear from him and to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Jerusalem's reunification since the 1967 Six-Day War. Uh, The tour is going to inspire your faith as you get Bible teaching and great guides who can explain and put into historic context the places that you will 
uh, visit. They're going to explore sites of uh, miracles and parables throughout the Galilee and Jerusalem, worship at the Mount of Beatitudes, at the Mount of Olives, tour the Golan Heights and Israel's northern border, visit modern Tel Aviv and Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast, as well as Masada and the Dead Sea. Enjoy enriching Bible studies at key locations on this trip of a lifetime. Your Bible will come alive. Your faith will be invigorated. So you can check that out at kpdq.com. All the important details are there. Experience Israel 2017. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 19 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Portions of today's program are brought to you by Zero Res. Well, singer-songwriter Bob Dylan is going to receive the Nobel Literature Prize a diploma and medal in the next few days in Stockholm. You recall they made the announcement some months ago, but they never heard from him. They couldn't track him down. Apparently, he wasn't all that interested. You know, oh, by the way, he won a Nobel Peace Prize. Eh, I'll get around to it. Uh, he's due to perform this weekend, this secretary of the Swedish Academy said on Wednesday. So he's winning the Nobel Prize for Literature um, and he'll receive a diploma, a prize diploma and medal. The Academy's decision to give the bard of blowing in the wind, the literature prize, caused some controversy, only deepened by Dylan's silence about the award for weeks afterwards and his no-show at the annual banquet in December. Well, the good news is that the Swedish Academy and Bob Dylan have decided to meet this weekend. The Academy will then hand over Dylan's Nobel Diploma and Nobel Medal and congratulate him on the Nobel Prize in Literature. Dylan is 75, which is interesting to consider. You know, I was a kid when he was popular, and he's 75. Of course, I'm 60, so that makes sense, but it sounded so old back then. Anyway, he's uh, due to give concerts in Stockholm in April and the following day, and then another in southern Swedish city of Lund on the 9th of uh, April. Um, Says one of the presenters, the notorious... Um, the notoriously media shy Dylan uh, wouldn't hold the traditional Nobel lecture at uh, at this point. The Swedish Academy is very much looking forward to the weekend and will show up at one of his performances. So he's not even going to something uh, specifically for that purpose. They're just going to show up at his gig. Please note that no Nobel lecture will be held. Uh, they've gone on to say the Academy has reason to believe that a taped version will be sent at a later point. In order to receive 8 million Swedish uh, crown, that's about $903,000 in prize money, Dylan needs to give a lecture within six months from December the 10th. It doesn't necessarily need to be delivered in Stockholm. Well, the decision to award the prize to Dylan, whom the Academy said had created new poetic expressions within the great American song tradition, was seen by some as a slap in the face to mainstream writers and of poetry and prose, but the Academy has a tradition of stepping outside the traditional boundaries of literary form, awarding the 1953 prize to British Prime Minister Winston Churchill in part for his brilliant oratory in defending exalted human values, which that does seem merited from my perspective. Anyway, you have to give a speech, and uh, if you do so, then you're eligible for about $903,000. I would make something uh, up. Yeah, I'm right there. Ladies and gentlemen... I like to write music. I'm a musician. M stands for the many nights I, st- <laughs> I stayed awake <laughs> thinking about a song. U stands for you, the people. S, I'd come up with something. I had no idea he had to deliver a lecture of some kind. He has till December to do that. So we'll see what happens. can well, learn a lot of things on this show. 
Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Nobel Peace Prize, or Nobel Prize, it's not a Peace Prize, it's a Nobel Prize. I just, I'm used to saying peace, so let's clarify that. I got you. Well, a South African company announced the world's strongest coffee. It contains a staggering uh, caffeine content. It's now available here in the United States. That's just what we need, people who are so hopped up on caffeine that they, (laughs) oh my. It's called Black Insomnia Coffee was first available in South Africa last year, announced a deal with Amazon to bring its ultra-caffeinated beans to the U.S. market. The company said it uh, submitted its beans to scientific tests to ensure the brew contains 702 milligrams of caffeine per 12-ounce cup, several times the 150 milligrams in the average cup of coffee, to give you some perspective, and beating the previous claimants to the world's strongest coffee throne, Death Wish Coffee, at 660 milligrams of caffeine per 12-ounce cup. Wow. First of Mm. all, 12 ounces of coffee seems to me to be a lot of coffee, but 702 milligrams per 12 ounces is a lot. I wouldn't sleep for days. Uh, The company admitted there are beverages with higher caffeine content, but those competitors contain additives and aren't pure coffee. This, ladies and gentlemen, is pure coffee. So here's the thing. Don't come crying to us if you can't handle the kick, the company said. Our beans may taste great. They may be smooth with the flavors of nuts and caramel. But if you can't handle the kick, it may just um, not be for you. But for those who can, we are happy to be here for you. So, uh, again, uh, it's going to be available. Drink at your own risk. Exactly. That's essentially what they're saying. Black insomnia coffee. Well, I wonder if it's smooth or bitter or if more caffeine changes the flavor in any significant way. I'm not a coffee connoisseur, so I really don't have any idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, here's one for the uh, record books. We often talk about people who will go to great lengths to uh, show up in the Guinness Book of World Record. People will do all kinds of things. They're dangerous, foolish, silly, you know, all kinds of (laughs) things. Well, here we have a circus entertainer that uh, set a world record by stopping a fan blade with her tongue. Yowza. You know, a fan, a, a tabletop fan. The yeah. blade goes around rather quickly. It can go at different speeds. Well, this circus entertainer set a world record on an Italian game show by stopping the blade with her tongue. Australian daredevil performer Zoe Ellis, known by her stage name Zoe Lamore, appeared on Italy's Low Show uh, to break her own Guinness World Record for most electric fan blades stopped using the tongue in one minute. Now, first of all, I wonder whatever gave her the idea to try this in the first place. Yeah. Um, she held two 35W, I don't know what that means exactly, fans running at the highest speed. So that gives you some idea and managed to um, top her previous record of 20 uh, by sticking her tongue um, to stop the blade on each fan 16 times for a new world record of 32. So well, what, congratulations. Do you, what do you do with that and where do you go with that? Well, we're talking about it over here in the U.S., so uh, you not, got that. not favorably. <laughs> you're, you're, you're sort of famous. I mean, your name is in a very big book, and who's looking up? Okay, let's look up, uh, I don't know, fan blades. Yeah. Does anyone ever actually look at some of these things? Her record was uh, later surpassed by Ashrita Furman, who used her tongue to stop the blades 35 times after the show was recorded. Ellis's household still holds multiple world records, however, as she maintains the record for most mouse traps released on the tongue in one minute in the female category. Apparently, there are men who do the same. <laughs> and her husband, Shane, um, a.k.a. the Space Cowboy, holds records for most blow torches extinguished with the tongue in one minute. 
These poor tongues. Oh, but wait, there's more. Okay. Most swords swallowed underwater and heaviest weight pulled by the eye sockets. Oh, I, no. I think they need to see someone. No. These are just, <laughs> why would people do this? Well, you know, fame is a... Fame is a powerful thing for a lot it's of people. A, it has to be a letdown. I mean, once you injure yourself. Yeah. Once your uh, eyeballs have been removed from their sockets <laughs> by your record, then I mean, what do you your, do? your name is printed in a book, and, and then what? Yeah. Tell you what. Right now, in this day and age, yeah. you can self-publish your own books. You can write your own name in your own book. Isn't that better? Pain-free. It's safer. I mean, it may cost you something, but it's pain-free. Yeah. No Do medical that. bills. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that whole phenomenon. But then again, who am I? Well, apparently we're both people that uh, haven't used our tongues for uh, doing things that might destroy them. Who, who even thinks to do that? I mean, who walks up to a fan and thinks, you know what? I bet I could stop that thing with my tongue. Well, I wonder if you go into the book and you say, hey, look at all these records. Which, what's one of these? What hasn't we could, been done? Yeah, what's one of these I could break? Yeah, I bet I could... Uh, Yes, but there has to be the first person who tried the thing. Who, oh, who true, was that and true. why on earth would they do it? That's what I wonder about. See, when I was a little kid, I thought maybe it'd be fun to set a world record for how long I stayed on the swing. Well, there's a record. Which for... unfortunately would be something like, you know, three weeks or something because people... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's one thing for a kid to want to set a record as a kid. But you're yeah. talking about full-grown adults, responsible, <laughs> <Yeah>. mature <laughs> People allegedly who are, who are engaged in that kind of activity. I, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. No, anyway, you think there's something we could come up with? Or? No, I do not. Something with the radio technology. You know, the truth is, there's probably somebody that set a record for how long I think there is, how long they've stayed on the air. Yeah, I we'd be here for a really long time. Yeah, that's though. not. I mean, happen. the weekend we'd have to say goodbye to many of those. No, I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not. But we, maybe we could come up with something that we could do, set a record. Can't be painful. No. Can't require a whole lot of time. No skill at all. Yeah. No money required. Right. Hmm. That narrows it down. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. The time commitment's going to be my biggest concern. Yeah. I've got to set this thing and be on with my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm guessing you and I will not appear in the Guinness Book of World Records. And does anybody actually buy that anymore? Somebody told me that they actually look at it. They they don't uh, read it because you don't read a book like that, yeah. but you consult it from time to time. When but I that's a, all it is. It's a coffee table book. Somebody might flip it open yeah. once or twice in a lifetime, and you might happen to fall on a page that your name appears on. I, I, it's not worth it. When I was a kid, one, and one of the uh, neighborhood kids gave me uh, a Guinness Book of World Records from like 1981 or something mm-hmm. for Christmas. I remember flipping through it a few times, but you don't read it. You're then right. Then you're kind of done. Yeah. Like, okay. This is great. Saw that. Done. Most books ever read while sitting in the bathtub. Yeah. And never changing the water. Yeah, good yeah. for you, you yeah. know. Okay. 30 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 35 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Clark Hilton, engineering and featured on today's program. Our yeah, special guest. In a, in a special guest role. You yes. Know. I want to remind you that Cannon Beach Conference Center is hosting a great women's conference the 9th through the 11th of June. You can join award-winning speaker and author Liz Curtis Higgs for a weekend of funny, encouraging, and down-to-earth Bible teaching. You can go to kpdq.com right now to enter to win a chance 
for a two-night stay at the Conference Center. If you've never been to the Cannon Beach Conference Center, you must put it on your bucket list. A great place to stay, great food, beautiful facility. That will include not only the conference, the meals, and accommodations. So for more information, go to kpdq.com. Again, that conference, June the 9th through the 11th. And uh, Liz Curtis-Higgs is going to be on Focus on the Family on Monday. Oh, she is? Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. She's that's one of my it. favorite guests. She's yeah. just a... That's it. Uh, 8 a.m., 11 a.m., and uh, 8 p.m. Okay. Uh, 7 a.m. 7 a.m., 11 a.m., and 8, 8 p.m. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, also, um, I want to encourage you to check out our uh, March into School Savings. Now, we've emphasized that March is the month that we're highlighting these schools, and we've had uh, discounts on tuition for many of the school, for all of them there. Many of them are sold out, but there are still some available and some new names. So let me encourage you to go to listenersavings.com for more information. If you're thinking about Christian education and would like uh, to explore the possibility of saving a little coin in the process, you can also link to the schools that are listed there and go to their website to learn more uh, as well. Uh, that's uh, listenersavings.com. Well, if you were not aware, starting tomorrow, that's April 1st, Oregonians are going to be able to double the money they get back for recycling their old plastic water bottles, soda cans, and beer bottles at redemption sites throughout the state. Now, I like the way they put that, that you're going to be able to get back more. Of course, you've paid that 10 cents. If you have some at your house right now that you only paid a 5 cent deposit for and you take them back tomorrow, you're going to get 10 cents back. But the point is, you're going to be charged more when you purchase these beverages. Oh, that is true. Yeah, and then you get that 10 cents back. It's supposed to be an incentive to get more people to redeem uh, those bottles and cans. And they're going to expand the number and kinds of uh, containers that will be eligible. A measure that requires payment of the 10 cent refund for covered uh, beverages, contain, uh, beverage containers rather, beginning the first of the month, regardless of refund value indicated on the container, was overwhelmingly approved by the Oregon Senate on Monday and heads to Governor Kate's, uh, Kate Brown's office for her signature, and that kicks in. Uh, on the first, the Oregon legislature set a trigger for the deposit to increase to 10 cents if the recycling rate fell below 80 percent. That means the only 80 percent of us are returning the bottles and cans that are eligible. And so as an incentive uh, to get more of us to do that, they've upped the price. So thank you very much for the 80 percent, excuse me, for the uh, uh, 20% of you who didn't do that, now we all have to pay a little bit more. Last year, state officials said that um, that had happened and the increased bottle rate was set in motion. Oregon was the first state to adopt a bottle refund uh, back right. in 1971, the bottle, the bottle bill, yeah. uh, as a way to encourage recycling. Ten other states have similar laws, uh, but only Michigan currently offers a 10-cent refund. Again, they call it a, they offer a 10-cent refund. It's a refund of what you've already paid for, so it's not exactly a benefit, but... Anyway, that starts tomorrow. If you have some bottles and cans in your house, regardless of what you uh, paid for them, tomorrow you're going to get 10 cents per container. And then, of course, you'll pay 10 cents per container. Well, yeehaw. Yeehaw. I got a good, I've got a bag of um, cans in the back of my car. They're my mom's um, pop cans. So I'll wait till tomorrow to take you those know, things back. I was one of those bad people. We were. Were you? Yeah, we've just thrown mm-hmm. them in the recycling bin. We haven't well, they're actually... being recycled, but you're not redeeming them. Right. Yeah, well, that, that's still. That's oh, still recycling. We don't recycling. throw them away. We, wait, right. we just... You're still recycling them. Because but... otherwise, you know what happens at our house? No, I don't. You get a gigantic bag and then a second gigantic bag that just sits in the garage because no one really wants to take it to the... Yeah. And really what we have is what my uh, daughter calls the uh, spicy water. It's the uh, 
We don't drink pop. It's the, um, it's just... Like sparkling water? Yeah, like the LaCroix. Is that what it's called? Yeah. LaCroix? Yeah. Spicy water. Spicy water. She's so cute. Is that spicy water, Daddy? Because then she won't touch it. So you yeah. should tell her everything is spicy water. Otherwise, she's drinking your water or putting her hands in it to get the ice out because she doesn't like the ices. Yeah, she's just something else. Spicy and ices water. Yeah. She's very cute. Well, a team of scientists is seeking to restore Pluto to planethood. They launched a campaign on Tuesday to broaden the astronomical classification, which led to its uh, demotion to a dwarf planet about a decade ago. In fact, I remember talking about it a decade ago. I felt very sad about that. Yeah. Six scientists from the institutions across the United States argue that Pluto deserves to be a full planet, along with some 110 other bodies in the solar system, including Earth's moon. In a paper presented at the International Planetary Science Conference at the Woodlands, Texas facility, the scientists explain that geological properties um, such as shape and surface features should determine what constitutes a planet. Well, in 2006, the International Astronomical Union struggled with how to classify a newly discovered icy body beyond Pluto, adopted a definition for a planet based on the characteristics that include clearing other objects from its orbital path. Well, Pluto and its newfound kin in the solar system, um, uh, system's distant uh, Kuiper Belt region, were reclassified as dwarf planets. Planets, but dwarf planets, along with Ceres, um, the biggest object in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Well, the decision left the solar system with eight planets, but that did not sit well with many. Uh, This definition sidelines the research interests of most planetary scientists, as the paper's lead author, a doctoral candidate at Johns Hopkins University. Runyon said he and other planetary scientists are more interested in a planet's physical characteristics, such as its shape and whether it has mountains, oceans, and atmosphere. If you're interested in the actual intrinsic properties of a world, then the IAU definition is worthless, he said. Well, Runyon and his colleagues, they argue... Uh, that the organization doesn't have the authority to set the definition of a planet, even though they set the definition of the planet. There's a teachable <laughs> moment here for the public in terms of scientific literacy and in terms of how scientists do science, he said. And that is not by saying, let's agree on one thing. That's not science at all. A lot of stuff that isn't scientific passes for science these days. But nonetheless, his group advocates for a subclassification system similar to biology's hierarchical Uh, method. This approach would categorize Earth's moon as a type of planet. Well, that idea irks California Institute of Technology astronomer Mike Brown, who discovered the Kuiper Belt object that cast Pluto out of the planet club. It really takes blinders to not look at the solar system and see the profound differences between the eight planets in their stately circular orbits, and then the millions and millions of other tiny bodies Um, flitting in and out between the planets and being tossed around by them, he wrote in an email. And this is, of course, the kind of thing a scientist would argue back and forth ad infinitum or ad nauseum, depending on your uh, position on the subject, um, which is why I'm not a scientist. So hopefully they'll come up with a uh, decision on the matter and uh, it will be closed for all time and memoriam. So do you care about Pluto as a planet as opposed to a sub-mini other kind yeah, of... Yeah, like I said earlier, I was a little bummed when uh, its classification was changed. I mean, I grew up learning the planets in the solar system. Mm-hmm. Pluto was the uh, cute one way out there. It should still be the cute one way out there. <clears throat> so is that your contribution to the ongoing debate between the different... <laughs> yes, Pluto is. is the cute one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. That's all I have to say about that. That, that right. should suffice. 
Well, Oregon, as we know, is... Well, how do uh, you feel? I really don't care. (laughs) (laughs) What I will say is my father designed the whole thing, and uh, one day I'll have a a better view of it, I think. So we'll figure it out then. Okay. Um, Oregon is in the final four. Your thoughts on uh, the outcome of that whole thing? Boy. First of all, do you care and do you have an opinion? Um, first of all, not a whole lot, but it is interesting. Yeah, you're that, a soccer guy. so Yeah, but it is an Oregon team. And frankly, I find it very interesting that uh, Gonzaga has made it yeah. to the Final Four, too. Now, they came from my school. I went to the University of Portland, and Gonzaga is from the West Coast Conference, which is what I was in. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, this could very well end up being... So the games are tomorrow. The... Uh, the, uh, the championship is Monday. Oregon may have some problems oh, with, with South Carolina, but they might be okay. Is it south okay. or is it north? I think it's south. It's whichever one is the big um, I, I the big winner. I, yeah, I'm actually big trying winner. to... They're all big winners now. Well, but I mean, previously they've been... Well, North Carolina is the, North Carolina is kind of the, the powerhouse. Yeah, I think they're playing North Carolina. But my I don't, I don't think so. I think... Stuck. I think they are playing. Let me. I'm going to check this right now. <laughs> you and I should actually know this. <laughs> well, no, I am. You're the, you're the one that's got me all confused now. Oh no, you're right. It is North yeah, Carolina. It's, it's Sorry, no, my so they, mistake. They have a big game. I mean, yeah. they all do. But you know what I mean. These guys are. They've been there more than yeah. twenty times. Oregon was but there in 1939. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but those same players haven't been there twenty times. That's true. Right? That's true. So uh, Gonzaga, they could very well win. I'm so, hearing a lot of people say that's a real possibility. I yeah, mean, it's it's up yeah. for grabs, really, because you're right. These are teams wearing the jerseys of their respective schools, yeah. but they're different players than uh, previous years I'm for just, the most part. I'll just predict that it'll probably be Gonzaga versus North Carolina on Monday night. Final. That's what I think. But Oregon could win, too. I mean, yeah. it's not outside the realm of possibility at all. Well, we'll see. We'll but I see. think I think they are they smaller than North Carolina? Smaller? Which, smaller, yeah, which means they might... Not be able to, uh, they might have to shoot more perimeter shots. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. That assumes that I know something yeah. about <clears throat> Okay, anyway. The yeah, yeah. Or maybe that's South Carolina. You got these Carolinas, <laughs> the Palmetto State, and what's the other one? The Tar Heel State? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Palmetto State, South Carolina. I don't know. Well, the big game's tomorrow, so we'll know then. Yes, we will. And then the final, as you said, is on Monday? Yes. Well, that'll be a... An interesting game. That'll be the only um, March Madness games I'll watch. I don't really watch. Well, you'll any be of all it, excited on but, Monday if Oregon gets oh, yeah, in. Yeah, I'll be all over it on Monday yeah. if Oregon's <laughs> playing. In fact, I'll I'll probably watch tomorrow. Yeah. No, probably not. I might even turn it on, and I don't really care. Yeah, I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back to wrap things up and let you know what's coming up next week on the program. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ. We're back. It's the last segment of the Georgine Rice Show on this fun Friday afternoon. And sadly, it's the last Friday of spring break 2017. For those of you who had the opportunity to celebrate by taking a spring break vacation. I want to give you a quick look at uh, what's coming up on the program next week. On Monday, we're going to talk with Lisa Pennington. She's the author of Tight Ropes and Teeter-Totters, Finding Balance in the Ups and Downs of Life. We actually scheduled her a couple of weeks ago, but I don't remember the circumstance now. Either she or I had to reschedule. So she'll be with us on Monday to talk about that. On Tuesday, looking forward to talking with Joel Rosenberg. He has a new novel out, Without Warning. It's published by Tyndale, and as you may recall... Uh, Joel Rosenberg has a way of writing novels that reflect what's going on 
in the news today, things that weren't the case when he began uh, writing the novel. I mean, you turn these things in much um, much earlier than they're published, and so it's it's a, sort of an uncanny knack that he has, but he has tremendous connections and insight. We're going to talk with him about his novel, something we don't do very often, Joel Rosenberg, on um, Tuesday. In fact, we'll have him for a full hour. On Wednesday, Jonathan Morrow will be our guest. Welcome to College, a Christ Follower's Guide for the Journey. I know many parents and perhaps students as well are concerned about how do I maintain my core values in an environment that... Uh, is not um, user-friendly, if you will. Well, we're going to talk with Jonathan Morrow about a resource that's designed to help young people who are committed to their faith uh, to anticipate some of the uh, challenges, the pitfalls, and to help fortify themselves uh, as they enter into life at college or university. That's on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I'm looking forward to talking with Judy Bush and Joni Militich. They are with uh, Prep for Kids uh, they have their fundraising event coming up here not too uh, not too long, but they're continuing to provide uh, resource that release time that's uh, permitted by law in the state of Oregon that gives parents the freedom to say, yeah, I'm going to sign a release form and my son or daughter is going to have once a week an hour of uh, religious instruction. In this case, of course, it's biblical Christianity and it's amazing. Uh, the kind of work that they're doing with kids who otherwise would have no exposure to the gospel at all. And again, this is by their parents' permission. We'll talk with the two of them about prep for kids and the need for volunteers and those uh, churches that are willing to open their doors to make their facility available to these young children. Uh, We'll get into that on Thursday. And then on Friday, all things being equal, we'll plan on having a bit of fun as we round out the first week of April, which I can hardly believe is upon us. So that's what's coming up for the uh, for the week. You know, earlier uh, I told you about a pastor's plea for prayer for his uh, church in Texas. We learned today, and this just uh, breaks my heart. I mentioned that the driver who was responsible for crossing the line uh, and hitting the van head on was a 20 year old. I mean, someone whose whole life is ahead of him. He essentially survived unscathed. We learned today the driver of that pickup truck that crossed the center line and crashed into the church minibus in Texas told a witness that he had been texting while driving. Words fail. Um, Jody Kutchler told the Associated Press uh, today that he was driving behind the truck and had seen it being driven erratically prior to the collision on the rural two-lane road about 75 um, miles west of San Antonio. Well, Kutchler says he spoke with the driver as he was uh, pinned in his truck on Wednesday, moments after the collision with the bus carrying the senior adults with First uh, First Baptist Church. Um, uh, Kutchler, and this is the driver who was witnessing all of this, says he told the driver, son, do you know what you just did? He says the driver responded by repeatedly apologizing. I have no doubt that 20-year-old who had heard repeatedly, don't text and drive, don't text and drive. He probably saw the videos of peers who texted and drove and lost some uh, capacity that they once enjoyed as a young person, and yet somehow thought that he could... Beat the odds, he could text and drive and there wouldn't be a problem. Well, um, it turns out that that's precisely what he had done. Well, the Texas Department of Public Safety has identified the driver. I'm not going to mention his name because he's a 20-year-old. But 13 people on that bus were killed and the lone survivor remains hospitalized on, uh, uh, well, today. Uh, and the driver of the truck, responsible for it all, uh, uh, escaped virtually unscathed. Now, my prayer is, given the fact that we're talking about a church group um, that this young person would somehow find himself with a 
um, a life-changing personal encounter with Christ as a consequence of this horrific tragedy. I have no idea what charges might be filed, what his future might look like. We know the lives of 13 people, the driver and uh, all of the passengers, save one, ended because he was texting and driving. But this 20-year-old, we, we have no idea what his future looks like. It will be one of great regret and despair, no doubt. But there is hope even for this kid, well, 20-year-old, maybe not a kid so much, um, who thought like so many of us that he could get away with it. You know, I can text and drive. I can keep one eye on the road. I'm young. I can manage all of that. And somehow he didn't. And that's true of so many people. In fact, too many people who imagine, you know, I can pull this off. I'm just going to take a minute. I don't do it regularly. It's okay. And here's the the latest example. 13 people dead. The driver admitting to uh, texting while driving. And that explains why he crossed the center line and uh, hit this this van head on. Anyway, continuing to pray for the church there, First Baptist Church of New Brownfells, Texas, and certainly this uh, this 20-year-old. I'm, I'm praying that somehow there would be some redemptive element to this tragic story as the family members of these 13 individuals, a couple of them were married couples, so um, families that are, are mourning, a church body that's mourning, Sunday morning will be very different than what they had anticipated. You know, when you've been away at a retreat and you come back, there's a certain level of energy you bring back with you. That's what they were expecting on Sunday morning. That's going to be completely different given uh, these events. But I'm praying that there will be some redemptive element to this story that may impact that 20-year-old in ways that he can't imagine at this point, uh, for the first time perhaps, feeling the full weight of what he has done. And it is, I suppose, a cautionary tale for all of us um, don't do it. Just don't do it. Somebody calls and you don't have hands free. Don't do it. I, I think they can wait for you to pull over or um, till you get to your destination to find out what it's about. Just just don't do it. And here's uh, the latest example to make that point. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before our time is up, if I can find my little piece of paper telling you all about it. Uh, the Case for Christ, the movie is in theaters starting tonight. It's the true story of Lee Strobel. Um, he was uh, and is a hard-driving journalist. He was exactly where he expected to be at work, on top. And his award-winning investigative reporting recently earned him a promotion to legal editor at the Chicago Tribune. But things weren't going well nearly as well at home, where his wife, Leslie, had um, a newfound faith in Christ, went against everything that he believed, or in fact didn't believe, as an avowed atheist. Now, Lee Strobel is a real guy. This is his real story. And as you know, for the last, I don't know how many decades, he has been a very effective apologist for the gospel. While he utilizes his journalistic and legal training, he begins to a quest to debunk the claims of Christianity. And aren't there many who are now followers of Christ, sort of like the Apostle Paul, who start out trying to debunk the faith and find along the way? Uh, the, the Jesus they are trying to deny. In order to save his crumbling marriage, that was going to be the focus of his journalism. Well, he chased down the biggest story of his career. He comes face to face with unexpected results that could uh, change everything he knows to be true, which in fact he does. Uh, and again, we're talking about the movie The Case for Christ. It's based on Lee Strobel's award-winning best-selling book. It stars Mike Vogel, Erica Christensen, Faye Dunaway. That's a name I recognize. Robert Forrester. The Case for Christ opens in uh, theaters. Actually, it's the 7th. It opens on April the 7th, so next weekend. Uh, It's an uh, ideal Easter season movie for anybody who's ever pondered the existence of God and what role he could play uh, in their lives. So anyway, wanted to give you a heads up on that, and I'll remind you 
next week as well. The case for the case rather for Christ, Lee Strobel's story. Okay, well, we are out of time for this edition of the Georgine Rice Show this Friday afternoon. Enjoy what's left of your spring break, if, if you had one. I want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering, James Blinn for, uh, for producing from afar, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.